0: there was a a small crowd coming to Jerusalem with Jesus. They were intending to celebrate the Passover feast with Jesus in Jerusalem, because this was the the time of the Passover. And undoubtedly, that crowd had swelled when Jesus, just a few days earlier, had performed uh, probably the greatest miracle yet, the raising of Lazarus from the dead. And uh, news about that miracle and about the fact that Jesus was coming to town had gotten all the way into Jerusalem. And so the, uh, the text tells us that there was a crowd of people who, when they heard that the, Jesus was coming, came out of the city to welcome him. Uh, he was uh, His popularity was definitely on the rise. Now, th- this was not a spontaneous... Uh, triumphal entry, and that's what we call, you know, anytime a king comes to town, we call it a triumphal entry. Jesus uh, choreographed this thing, right? Jesus tells uh, a couple of his disciples, I want you to go ahead to uh, Bethany and Bethphage, one of those towns there uh, right around the Mount of Olives, and you get this colt." and he, he knew he was going to ride into town, and he knew what he was doing. Uh, he was declare him, declaring himself king. And, uh, and so the people, with the waving the palm branches and the putting their cloaks onto the ground and they're shouting, uh, Hosanna, welcome. Uh, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. They were proclaiming Jesus king and welcoming him to, to their city. And, and, the, and the question is, are we giving Jesus the welcome he deserves? There were four types of people in the crowd that day. And not all of them were excited to see Jesus. Not all of them welcomed Jesus. The first group of people were the Roman soldiers. Uh, We've got to remember that Judea at this time was occupied by the Romans. They, uh, they did allow the Jewish leadership, the Sanhedrin, to have some level of c- control and authority in Jerusalem, But at the end of the day, it was the Romans. And and the the city of Jerusalem was filled with Roman soldiers who were there primarily to keep the peace, to make sure nobody gets too far out of line. And so there were Roman soldiers undoubtedly there that day, uh, watching the crowds. But for the Roman soldiers, they were indifferent about who uh, Jesus has claimed to be king. So what if he's the king of the Jews? We're not Jews, we're Romans, as long as these people don't get out of control, uh, it's, this is all kind of irrelevant to us. You know, there are a lot of people in the world who are indifferent about Jesus. We all have coworkers, friends, neighbors, maybe even family members who are not in church today, even though it's Palm Sunday, because Jesus just doesn't matter to them. They're just kind of indifferent to him and to his claims to be king. Secondly, in the crowd are Pharisees, the religious leaders. And uh, what did we read about them? Some of the Pharisees, verse 39 of Luke, some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. The Pharisees understood what was happening. They understood that the crowds were proclaiming Jesus to be the Messiah, the promised one, the king of the Jews. And the Pharisees were opposed. Jesus, teacher, teacher. Tell him to be quiet. Don't let him do that. This is wrong. You're not the king. They, they opposed Jesus as king. They opposed him, I, I suspect, because they understood the implications. If Jesus is king, that means they need to obey him. That means they need to bow the knee to their king. And they weren't going to do that. There are a lot of people in the world like that, aren't there? Uh... With eyes wide open. Maybe they grew up in the church. They know the gospel. They know what the Bible says about who Jesus is. And they reject it. They oppose that. I don't want Jesus Christ to be king in my society. I don't want him to be king of my life. No. I reject his claims to be king. Thirdly, you have the curious. Uh, The the, um, account of the triumphal entry is in all four Gospels, and each Gospel gives us a few more details and sort of fills out the picture. And in one of the Gospels, it tells us that the people had heard about the raising of Lazarus from the dead. And, and there are many people out there in the crowd who were just curious. They'd been hearing about Jesus, this wonder worker, and they wanted a, a closer look. Maybe, there's, maybe Lazarus will be there. Are we going to get to see this? What does this guy look like? He was, he was dead for like four days, right? Uh, and so they were out there, and maybe they got caught up in the enthusiasm, and the, you know, maybe they waved some palm branches. But here's, a, here's the thing with the curious. They weren't opposed to Jesus, but they were not committed either. They had not yet bowed the knee to the Lord Jesus Christ. They hadn't said, Jesus, you're my king. I acknowledge who you are, and I grant you rights to rule my life. And boy, the world is filled with those people, aren't they? They're not opposed to Jesus. They think he was a good man. They think his teachings are great. More people should follow it. In fact, you ask them, and a lot of times they'll say, well, you know what, I guess I'm a Christian. You know, I I grew up in the church. I, I don't think of myself as something else. I'm a Christian, yeah. And inside they think to themselves, you know what, someday I'm going to get serious about my faith. Someday I will, you know, get serious about following Jesus. But not right now. I'm too busy climbing the corporate ladder trying to have fun in life. They're curious, but they're uncommitted. And then finally, there are the disciples. The people who have watched, have considered, and ultimately made a decision. Jesus Christ is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I'm going to bow my knee to him. I'm going to follow him. I'm going to let Jesus be my leader and my king. And for them, uh, they waved the palm branches. They bowed the knee in worship, in reverence, in fealty to their Lord. And the world, there are many followers of Christ. Many of us have done that. And we don't regret it. And so we, when we think about Jesus as king, what our hearts say is, Please come quickly, Lord Jesus. We want you to return and establish your kingdom in fullness. This is, a, this is a, uh, a wonderful day where we, we uh, remember who Jesus is and we long for his second coming and his kingdom to be here in full. So, what kind of person are you? Are you indifferent to the claims of Christ upon your life? Are you opposed? You know, maybe you're here because you have to be. Your parents drug you here. Or you're, you're a husband or wife or boyfriend or girlfriend. Or, or you're visiting and they make you go to church. <laughs> are you curious but not yet committed? Or are you, are you a devoted follower of Christ welcoming your king today? Now, for, for the followers of Jesus, Palm Sunday was a spiritual victory. It was a great day. But for the vast majority of people in, Israel, in Jerusalem on that day, it was a colossal failure. Josephus tells us he's the first century Jewish historian. And he talks about a, uh, a Passover, not that not many years removed when he says that there were 2,700,000 people in Jerusalem during the Passover feast. Basically, Judea just emptied and everybody went to Jerusalem to celebrate this most holy of of feasts. And so the crowd that came to welcome Jesus was a large crowd, but it was not 2,700,000 people. The vast majority of people in Jerusalem that day did not come out to welcome their king. And so for most Israel, it was was a spiritual failure. It was a dissing of the king. Let me contrast the welcome that Jerusalem gave Jesus with the welcome that they gave Alexander the Great 335 years earlier. Alexander the Great, the Macedonian, was trying to conquer the world, and he came to Judea, and he, he had just finished conquering Gaza, And he's marching to Jerusalem. And up until then, Jerusalem had resisted Alexander's claim to be king. But now they're petrified. (laughs) He's coming here next. What are we going to do? Here is what Josephus once again tells us about that. He said, and when Jadus the high priest understood that Alexander was not far from the city, He went out in procession with the priests and the multitude of the citizens. The procession was venerable, and the manner of it different from that of any other nation. It reached to a place called Safa, which name translated in Greek signifies a prospect, for you have thence a prospect both of Jerusalem and of the temple. And when the Phoenicians and the Sumerians who followed him thought that they should have liberty to plunder the city and torment the high priest to death, which the king's displeasure fairly promised them. The very reverse of it happened for Alexander when he saw the multitude at a distance in white garments, while the priest stood clothed with fine linen, and the high priest in purple and scarlet clothing with his miter on his head, having the golden plate whereupon the name of God was engraved. He approached by himself and adored that name. The Jews also did all together with one voice salute Alexander and accompany him about. So, Just to summarize, when Alexander shows up, here's what Jerusalem did. Uh, They they decorated the city with wreaths. They threw wide open the gates. The people, all the people dressed in white and they marched out of the city to uh, intercept Alexander long before he gets to the city. The, The priests are in their finest linens. They're decked out. And when they intercept Alexander, there are speeches given. Welcome, we're so honored to have you. Please come into our city. They escort him all the way into the temple. They make a sacrifice there for him. And yet when the King of kings and the Lord of lords, when the Son of the living God, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the one who threw the stars into the sky and formed the earth out of nothing in whom we live and breathe and have our being, apart from whom we can do nothing, shows up to town. Where is the high priest? Where are the leading people of the city? It was a colossal failure. It was a a massive rejection of the king, and it was tragic. You know, there are consequences to not giving the king of kings the welcome he deserves. And that's the next thing that Luke tells us here in the gospel. Immediately following his description of the triumphal entry, or I should say concluding it, verse 41, we read, And when he, Jesus, drew near and saw the city of Jerusalem, he wept over it, saying, Would that you, even you had known on this day the things that make for peace. But now they're hidden from your eyes. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side and tear you down to the ground, you and your children within you. And they will not leave one stone upon another in you because you did not know the time of your visitation. Jesus uh, prophesied what happened about 40 years later. The Romans besieged Jerusalem also during Passover. And they put it to the sword. And Josephus tells us that uh, over a million Jews were killed during that. Jesus foresees that. He prophesies that. And why did it happen? Notice the last line. Because you did not know the time of your visitation. Because your king came to you and you did not give him the welcome he deserved. You know, the Bible is, the Bible motivates us in many different ways. Uh, we are motivated by uh, reward, the op- option of forgiveness and, and peace, reconciliation with God. But it, but sometimes we're motivated uh, with, with the possibility of judgment. The Bible tells us that the King of kings and the Lord of lords will return a second time. And when he returns a second time, there will be no one on planet earth indifferent to Jesus. The person who today is indifferent to Christ, there will be nothing more monumental, nothing more momentous in their life than the fact that Jesus has come and they're not right with him. Those who are opposed to his rule, when Jesus returns a second time, will realize, well, that was foolish. And you know what? They will regret not being able to live forever in the kingdom of light. They will be shut into the kingdom of darkness. And for the curious but uncommitted, they'll think, why? Why? Why didn't I seize the opportunity that I had? Why didn't I make my, my decision for Christ while I had, it, when I had time? The Bible says today is the day of decision. Don't let go, today go by. You don't know if you've got tomorrow. And when Christ returns, it's, it's over. And if you're, a, if you're not for him, you're against him. And then when, we, when Christ returns a second time, all those who have bowed the knee to Christ in a time of peace will rejoice. For their king has come, and he's come to reward them. And he's come to say, enter into my rest. Well done, good and faithful servant. Let me tell you about uh, Dave Spurgeon. Dave Spurgeon uh, spent the first 37 years of his life not welcoming Jesus and the rest of his life welcoming him and it made all the difference. Uh, Dave Spurgeon was uh, born in 1953. In 1971, he spent three years in the military. Uh, He grew up going to church. His parents took him to church every Sunday, but he never bowed the knee to Jesus and when he got old enough, when he was 16, boom, he left home and he just wanted to do life his way and he put Jesus and all that Christian religious stuff in the rearview mirror. When he got out of the military, uh, he, he entered a biker's club. He got involved, he rode a Harley and got involved in, uh, in some of the bike clubs. became actually uh, one of the chapter presidents and then uh, uh, sort of a national member. But it was one of these bad biker clubs. Drugs, guns, violence. In 1990, he's 37 years old, and he wakes up one morning. Uh, His house is surrounded by FBI, DEA, uh, ATF. They're in full-body armor, M16s. They break down uh, his door. They enter the house behind bulletproof shields, knock him to the ground, cuff him, take him to prison. He's 37 And he's given 37 years of prison. While he's in prison, he he meets a a Christian who had had a similar background to his. Another guy in the prison, reading his Bible. He goes up and talks to him. And this prisoner invites him to a church that they have in the jail. And he goes to church, uh, this little jail, prison church. And first time in many, many years, he hears about Jesus. He's curious, but he's not going to commit. But he says, I'll go back the next week. And he goes back the next week. And this time, the, guy, uh, the, the chaplain gives him a Bible. And he begins to read. And he reads for months. And then on November 30th, at 5 o'clock in the morning, 1990, uh, he surrenders his life to Jesus Christ. And here's what he writes. He said, the morning I surrendered my sin to the Lord Jesus Christ. I asked him to come into my heart and take control of my life. Listen to these words, surrender, control. He saved my soul that morning. I've never regretted it. Jesus Christ gave me the peace I had longed for so badly. I was still in jail without bond, still going to prison. But as of that moment, I was a free man. I was free from the bondage of sin that had held me tightly for so many years. With more peace than I'd ever had in my life, I wrote a letter to my parents telling them of my conversion. I was a new man in Christ, but the old man's deeds still had to be answered for. Well, actually, uh, pretty amazing. About a year later, uh, a judge gave him like the the leniest possible sentencing. And he said, I was actually sentenced to to a 1,000 hours of community service, I had to go out and tell people about the change that had been made in my life and how I got out of the gangs and out of drugs. He said, uh, basically, I was sentenced to telling other people about Jesus. And now he's out of prison and, and is a, uh, a, a preacher of the gospel. And he ends with this. He says, in Romans chapter 10, it says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. I called upon the Lord with an honest heart, and he saved me. Do not risk waiting as I did. I had no guarantee that I would live long enough to repent, and neither do you. If you are not saved today, please accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You will never regret it. So that's what we're talking about today. Are you giving the Lord Jesus Christ the welcome he deserves? Let's pray. Please bow your head. I'm going to call the worship team back up. God knows your heart. You can't keep anything from him. You know whether or not the gates of your heart are opened wide to Jesus. You know whether or not you have bowed the knee to the king in a time of peace and said, Jesus, you be my king. I swear my allegiance to you. I will follow you. You get to call the shots in my life. You sit on the throne of my life. You know whether or not you still sit on the throne of your life or whether you've gotten off it and given that to Jesus. So if, you are, if you're here today and you have never welcomed Jesus, you've never repented of your sins and put your faith in the Son of the living God, I encourage you to do that right now. There are no magical words. Remember what uh, Dave Spurgeon said, with an honest heart. With an honest heart, if you say, Jesus, uh, I want you to be my king so I can live in your kingdom, your good kingdom, both now and forevermore. Do that. Don't leave here today without making that decision. And if you are a Christian, but, but you know that you have been dishonoring the king Because he's not leading your life. You're still trying to lead your life. You don't go through life saying, what what would Jesus, my king, want me to do here? How would he want me to respond to this situation? How would he want me to feel about this? Take every thought captive to the lordship of Jesus Christ. Are you doing that? And if the spirit of God is convicting you today that you're not giving your king the, uh, the respect, the obedience that he deserves. Repent of that. Ask for forgiveness and make a decision to, to, to uh, be different. And the Lord, if the Lord has convicted you today that you have been curious, pro-Jesus, but uncommitted, bow the knee. Jesus doesn't want, you know, just fans. He's looking for followers. And then for those here who, who are, uh, you know, I have welcomed Jesus. I'm welcoming the best I, I can. Then I want you to hear from your king. Well done, good and faithful servant. I am returning again. When I return again, I will put all things right and you will be rewarded for your faithfulness. When I return, I I will find you going about the king's business and you will be rewarded for all eternity. Keep at it. Do not grow weary in in doing good for if you don't faint at it, you will reap a, a harvest. It's worth it. I am the king, even though right now I'm invisible. (laughs) I am the king, and I will return, and you will be rewarded. It is worth it. Even though some of your friends think you're crazy, even though maybe your parents aren't supporting you in it, even though maybe your spouse doesn't support you in this, it's worth it. Lord Jesus Christ, We humble ourselves before you. We bow the knee. We open the gates of our heart. We welcome you fully. Take your rightful place. In your name we pray. Amen.